This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 328. And the quote of the day is, Today, power is gained by sharing knowledge, not hoarding it. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. Hope you're doing well, and I hope you are subscribed. If you're not, you can go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all that, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you subscribe. That way you'll get every new episode right to your phone or device, and you're not going to miss anything. We're putting out a lot of content, so I don't want you to miss anything. So be sure to subscribe while you're there. Leave a rating or a review. That will help the podcast show up higher in the search results, all that fun stuff. If you could do that, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Hey, this session is brought to you by my friends at Musicians Institute. And MI has been located in the heart of Hollywood, California since the 70s. And if you want to take your career to the next level, you want to learn about performance, you want to learn about production, you want to learn about electronic drums, you want to learn about programming... Anything you need to know about the music business or you just want to step up your game, do yourself a favor and look into the great courses they have at Musicians Institute. There is a world-class facility there and the faculty are people who have been there. They've done that. They're touring players. They're people who have been in the industry, been there and done that. And you can learn more about Musicians Institute by going to mi.edu. Now, let's get into the conversation. This is Kevin Murphy, and Kevin, you probably know him on Instagram as Big Right Foot, and he is a Nashville drummer. He's been on the scene for a very long time, a very well-respected touring drummer out of Nashville, and does a little bit of, of remote recording and sessions and things like that, but mostly a touring guy, and this conversation is great. We have a very candid conversation about life as a session player, and you know, we talk about it. we talk about numbers, we talk about money, we talk about the reality of what it's like to be a touring drummer, even at the highest level, even if you're playing in stadiums, what the real money looks like. So we definitely pull back the curtain on this and are not sugarcoating anything and we are giving it to you straight. And just to warn you, when when we get into this conversation, we're Kevin and I are literally just having, we started talking and the recorder was running. So I don't do like an official, Hey, Kevin, how are you? What, it, it, so when you get into this, it's literally just picking up where Kevin and I picked up and we just, we were just rapping. So I just hit the record button and I uh, didn't turn it off until we were done. So I hope you enjoy it and you will get a ton of information out of this. I promise you that. So enjoy this conversation with the one and only Kevin Murphy. That's what I'm shitty at. I'm shitty at search engine optimization, man. I have yet another ex-girlfriend who is really tech savvy. She was always like, you're posting at the wrong time. You're not hashtagging enough. And she's every once in a while, I'll still get a, why didn't you link this to this? And I was like, you right. broke up with me years ago and you're still busting me up for improper. <laughs> you're still, you're still nagging me. <laughs> bad tagging and, and bad hashtagging and, uh, she was awesome, but she, and it's awesome that she thinks about it, but I just don't. And she, every time she'll be like, oh, you know, you should post between noon and four and you should hashtag this and you should link this to this. And I'll be like, oh, wow. Yeah, that makes total sense. But I just don't think about it when I do it. So right. I post, right. I it's post hard, stuff. man. You know, it's yeah, like, post it's things okay. that me drumming and, and I just kind of like make funny, 
you know, or I cannot, I can't in good conscience, hashtag drum fam. Yeah. Can't, can't bring <laughs> I thought about it. I thought, man, this is good to get me like 400 more followers. If I, do it. I can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. I just, sometimes you got to make sacrifices, you know? Well, and I have a buddy, one of my best friends runs a, a Instagram that is um, highly off color. And, uh, it, it, you know, and it's just humor and memes and funny captions. And he has 85,000 followers. And he refuses to like, he's like, nope. It was like, man, I know you can turn that into some money. He was like, yeah, but then I got to. Then I got to go on there and sell shit. Right, right. <laughs> just, He's like, know. I just want to do my thing. And yeah, man, my whole group of friends are all like that. Like, man, I guess I could get like 20,000 followers if I posted videos every day. But we actually end up on the, we have, we're in a text thread and we actually have all these guys in Nashville that have five, six, 10,000 followers and they're posting garbage. Yeah. And they're posting garbage as if it is, um, as if it is like, you know, something that the world needs to see for, from drumming. Right. You know, right. And if you're Nate Smith and you've got this kind of new approach that hasn't been seen, it's kind of a throwback. It's kind of like a combination of some old bop guys, but in a hip hop world, it's way on the front of the beat. You've got lightning fast hands, but it still feels good. And you're right. doing, it's kind of this new vocabulary that you're this old vocabulary that you're using in a new way. If you're doing that, fuck man, post anything. Right. Right. I think, man, that's, it's funny that you bring up Nate because I always think like that dude, I've been watching Nate play for years, like way before Instagram, you know what I mean? And I'm like, how does nobody know about this dude? Well, I didn't know everyone knows about him and it's great because he's a fucking monster. Oh dude. I found out about him look two years ago when he started making an internet presence. Right. Um, but little did I know, I know a bunch of people that know him. He's from fucking Virginia. I'm from yeah. Charlottesville. He's from Virginia Beach, I think. Yeah. He went, to, he went to JMU with a bunch of friends of mine. I had one of my friends failed him in a class, was a professor. Really? You know, a, a student teacher. And he was like, yeah, he just didn't show up to class. But like he was gigging. He was up in D.C. doing gigs, you know. And right, right, I, right. I dumped him in this theory class. I was like... <laughs> Holy shit. He was like, yeah. And a month later, you know, like three months later, he had a Grammy for co-writing a fucking Michael Jackson song or something right. like that. <laughs> but yeah, but Nate, Nate has this thing. I don't know. I haven't met him, but I, I, we just, we share a bunch of friends and right. I'm sure it, we'll cross paths at some point. But like, he's an example of if you're, if you post even your worst day, there's something going to be cool about it because he really is kind of uh, re- He's re-speaking an old language that Philly Joe and Papa Joe and all these guys used to do. Right. And got these new things and got little uh, little elements of 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 uh, Jay Dilla and Cobham. And, you know, he's got all this 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 vocabulary. Yeah. So when you're doing something that really is kind of groundbreaking, where you're making it feel good, but you're on the front end of the beat, which is really hard to do. Right. And play on the backside of the beat. It's easy to make shit feel good. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's got, he's just, I mean, he's got his own, his own thing, you know? And well, right. So if, so if, when people share that, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, by all means, share that. But when I see a lot of guys and that's why I don't share a lot of stuff, I'll share like, I'm trying to dial in my sounds or I'm, or a, my buddy playing my kid. I posted Tucker, my buddy Tucker playing this drum set, you know, right here in this room last week. And, and I'll, uh, I'll push a mic microphone company if they're if they're if they're good friends or if they sound good or you know i'm i'm just i'm so hypercritical of myself that when 
I sit down and play, it'll if if it feels good, that's great. And I'll listen back. If I hear anything, anything, the slightest bit off, uh, to me it's garbage. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm I, I told my my friend uh, McHugh is Chris McHugh is one of my one of my really good friends, and he was the one that actually was like, man, your perspective is skewed because you've been doing this for so long, and your tolerance for quality is so precise. Like right. he was like, you're not really hearing like no one no one is hearing those imperfections and even those of us that can hear it he was like of course i hear your imperfections right of course, of course i can i've i've recorded a, you know three thousand albums of course i can hear your time moving or your your you know a 128th a, a note gap between your hands or whatever of course i can hear it but like i don't care and neither right. would Charles drayton and neither would you know Elon or, or Josh or no one would care because of this of the big picture. So I'm trying to get trying to get used to posting stuff that I think is shit. Well, I mean, I think that there's something there's something about like you know showing your flaws that we should be recording all this, but we're not. But uh, but I just hit record right in the middle of it and just like don't. Even... Well, actually, I have been recording it, so maybe I'll just uh, I'll just cut it. You know, or I'll ask my my guy to cut it at the right spot. Um, but there's something interesting about showing your flaws and showing the process of getting better. But I agree with you on terms of in terms of like people are like, oh, I'm going to post or like reposting videos of other people's videos. And they're like, I'm just doing it because I want to get likes and followers. And for me, I'm like, I just I want people to listen to the podcast. So if I'm putting videos up, 99.9% of the videos that I put up are guys who have been on the podcast. And all the quotes that I put up are from guys who've been on the podcast. You know, so it's all it ties into the ties into the uh to the podcast, not just trying to get likes and and get people to, you know, share it. Because what's happening is even though these people have, you know, 30, 40, 50,000 likes on Instagram, the people who are looking at it on Instagram are literally just looking at it on Instagram and that's it. They're not interacting with that thing, you know? And I recognized a, a lot of that. I'm, you're going to be part of my Instagram feed right now. <laughs> nice. You're going to be part of it. I realized that a part of uh, what I had, a part of my issue was that I will post something on Facebook and people won't watch it on YouTube. So I really don't grow anything. Right. I'm doing an interview. Watch. What's like, say, hey, Nick. What's, ha <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> I'll be on the drummer's resource and we'll work on search engine and optimization. <laughs> we'll figure out. You'll tell, will you tell me the hashtags to use? Please? Yeah. Drum, uh, drum fam. That's it. <laughs> um, I'm going to, you know, I, I will say this. I, I, I definitely have a hard time converting like a video that I will post to YouTube followers or whatever, but I'll go back to something you said a minute ago when showing our flaws, I started to embrace that. And that's kind of become, I've actually had a couple things that I didn't post because it seemed too clean. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'll say this, I have a quarter of a million hits, something like that on the YouTube, not followers, but just hits, right, overall, right. which is, uh, not, not a big deal. Um, it's a quarter but, of a but, million, <laughs> but, but, but some views, but not like, you know, Bieber views. Right. Um, and here's what's funny. I have, I don't know how many videos, there's 40 or whatever up there. Um, of the drumming videos I have, if, if, if the number is 30 drumming videos that are like a song playing a stadium or playing a bar or shed, if it's <clears throat> just a tune, most of them will be like between two and six or 7,000 views. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in that range. 
The one that I posted me fucking up, there was one where I, the top of the show, we had finished soundcheck working on a song that was in the set in Ableton, like changing right. something in Ableton and working apart. And I got sidetracked answering some questions or doing something. And I never, at the end of soundcheck, scrolled back down to one. So it was like at three. Right. Third song, it was set up for third song in the set. And here I was, it was, it, I, you know, so we walk out, I'm cocky. I've got a drink in my hand, the video rolled, everything's playing, you know, all the bullshit. And I sit down and I hit Ableton and the wrong song starts. <laughs> the, the wrong, the, not the wrong loop. I caught it, but the count off was wrong. Right, right. And I, I, you can see me stutter and then tap through the, to, the, to the right song and then start it again. And then I start kind of nervously laughing because I'm like a few seconds late. Now in our time, it's not a big deal. But, you know, artists, four seconds feels like 10 minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're like, what What the fuck? Get, get, and, you know. you know, there's only five people who notice it's, it's the five guys on the stage, you know. Yeah, and, and, and of those five guys, one is really concerned, and it's the guy that is singing. It's typically the artist time, time races by right. for the artists. And, like, dead time dead time takes forever, and, and playing speeds pass. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so I was, you know, but the reason I posted it, I, you know, the song started, it was great. It was fine. Mm-hmm. But the reason I posted it is because if you're a discerning listener, you've been doing this for a minute. I posted it for the young guys and the old dudes. You know, guys that have been playing for a minute noticed. Guys that haven't, it, they would have to read my description and really listen. And, and see what's play, going on. See what I'm going on. But I literally was, I, I wanted to make sure everybody could see that it took me solid 90 seconds right. to settle. <laughs> Get your heart rate back to normal. Well, yeah, just to find the groove again. Because yeah, yeah. I, so I was so thrown off yeah. by that mistake. Sure. And and the funny thing is that that you know people I, I got a lot of people that were like you know what do you mean I didn't I didn't hear that mistake but mm-hmm. I, oh no you listen you're like it's, oh I did <laughs> it took me a minute and a half to settle back into the right tempo because of one minor mental flaw and that was like and I posted it and that thing the rest of my videos got. 6,000 hits or whatever. I think I like 50. Right, right. Everybody loves watching Daddy Screw Up. Well, you know what? I think it's I think it's the fact that, like, you can go on you can go on Instagram, and this isn't just for drumming. This is for anything. And you look at images of people or videos or everything, and they take, it's, it's people's highlight reel, right? So when you see someone who's making mistakes or they're sort of documenting what they're doing or they're like, hey, I don't know everything, but I'm trying to figure it out and I'm going to show you the process of me figuring that out. It like it humanizes people and people can relate to that. I can't relate to like to someone who puts a video up and and plays perfectly and doesn't make it like I just I can't relate to that or like, you know, and it's like and they're talking about it now. A lot of models are sort of coming out on Instagram where they're like, they'll put a picture side by side and they'll say, these are the same pictures. One is with better light with me clenching my stomach and like standing a different way. And here's the actual, here's actually how I look. And they look too. Or one is 600 pictures in. Right. Right. So Mm. like, well, that's why, you know, and there are guys like, and there are guys like, um, you know, like Nate, and and Jojo and Benny and Keith and Chris Coleman and guys where their vocabulary is so profound that when they're fucking up or when they're 
kind of running out of when, when they kind of misplace an idea or they're not, they don't fully develop. They don't, you know, something they're doing doesn't fully blossom. Right. Um, their vocabulary is so profound that they can just kind of punt. You can see Benny Greb kind of stutter out and then just right. find, stumble into another thing. And it's gorgeous. Right. Right. So those guys, they can just sit down. People can video them and it'll go on YouTube and it's phenomenal. That, that Chris Coleman from, from off the hi hat side, the thing at guitar at uh, at Nam from like four or five years ago, it, it's disgusting. The mm-hmm. shit he's doing, and he's just kind of messing around. But it's a vocabulary thing. The vast majority of us, um, you know, most people are going on Instagram and YouTube, and they really are highlight reel. They, they they really are giving you their fifteenth try. They're editing themselves and stuff like right. that. And there's I, and here I, and I've said this before. I. Whatever makes more people get into drumming, I'm cool with, right? So, like, I don't care. I don't care what it is, but, like, if you <laughs> can... Uh, <laughs> I got distracted. Uh, but if... It, so, if it's getting people into drumming, I'm cool with it, no matter what it is. I don't care. So, like... But there's a difference between, you know, somebody like Nate Smith versus somebody who just who's putting videos on YouTube and it's manufactured and it's you know and there's perfect lighting and they do all these edits and do all these and that is another thing in and of itself that's entertainment and that is a it it has its own i think it has its place in drumming um but because it gets people into drumming i'm cool with it i'm just Um, not sure to what end there's i i will say this i think a lot of guys that i watch and I just don't think they're the, they're the same. That's all I'm saying is that they're, they're like, not the same animal. Right, they're not right. the same animal. And I'm a big fan of calling people out by name, but I, there's no reason to for for this. But like, <laughs> I'm a big people. I'm a I'm, 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 big, I'm big on calling people out by I name. I'm a big fan of like if somebody doesn't like something I do, I want to see. I want them to write it and name me so I can go. Oh well, what don't you like? I'm. I, I, That's I, actually I, why I brought you on the podcast. I wanted, I'm just you wanted to tell me all the things I suck at. <laughs> I, um, there's some guys that I have seen, and some are successful, and some are are just uh, you know are, are doing okay, but they're Nashville guys. Where I'm not sure what why they're doing it. I'm not sure why that like Nate Smith, Benny Benny is pushing. Uh, you know, Benny is a is one of the the new Mount Rushmore guys. Right. You know? Um. You know, um, I understand why Jojo, you know, those guys make their money on nerve and clinics. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that, that doesn't pay what people think it does. I bet people right. think Jojo is a millionaire and Jojo ain't no millionaire. Right. Right. Um, and they probably think Nate Smith is a millionaire. And you and I both know how much dudes, even the top of the heap, New York drummer dudes are making. Uh, yes. One hundred percent. If you ain't Anton or Sean. Shit is a little rougher than people think. Yes, 100%. I think I, I'm so glad that you're bringing that up because, I mean, I know I'm friends. I mean, you are too. Like, you know, like playing in stadiums in front of 40, 50,000 people. And it's like, and they're trying to figure out, you know, how to make the next buck. It's well, I mean, there, and there are guys that, look, the money is there. I mean, there are guys like Jordan who do real well. But Jordan, you know, he bought his place back when he was doing back when he was making good money and the prices were lower when he was doing Letterman, you know, right. now, now he still has that place. So he's one of the few people in New York that owns a place, right. but then he gets points on records and all that stuff yeah, too. But, but it took a long time of getting yeah. those points. And now there's no such thing as points. So now, you know, um, John pays him real well, but mm-hmm. like it, it, that is a culmination of, of several decades of his efforts right. to get him where he is. Um, most of the dudes, you know, if you ask anybody I went to high school with, they're, they're probably they're probably under the assumption that I'm a millionaire. 
You know, right. I drive a right. I drive a Kia Sorento and I have a rancher. Right. I have a, I have a 1500 square foot rancher, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, that I rent, you know, um, and most of the people I know are in that realm. Now, the the longer the career goes, that's when people are like, oh, yeah, well, that guy's got money. Well, fucking, yeah, he's played on 2,500 records. Right, right. Doing this for 25 years professionally. Yeah, of course he's got some cash. Right, of course. I remember Jim Riley put a picture up of, um, he had... I forget what kind of car it was. It was like a Toyota Cor- Corolla, right? I don't know why he keeps posting that, and I'm not really sure why he. I, yeah, I don't know what I forget. He continually make that point, but yeah, I he, forget why he posted it in the first place. I think he was trying to say the same thing, which was, you know. Oh, uh, I well, what I a gig, but I don't, I don't have a Ferrari, and that's how you stay. You know, that's how you. If you want to keep working in drums, you know, you don't go out and buy um, a fucking yellow Hummer, right? Yeah. And his point was, I think, I don't know, I don't, I know Jim, but I don't really inter- interact with him a, a lot. And I think he's a little heavy handed with his me stuff. Um, and I don't care if that's, that's fine. If that's, he knows. Um, <laughs> he but, knows. Uh, I think he was making a good point that day. And I think that, I think it's, I think it's, I think it was, a, it was a funny picture because it was taken in like it was a Ferrari. Like it was right. taken like it was really. Like, I think the initially he posted it and was like, I just got, he's like, I got my car all cleaned up. It looks good for like a 2005 or something. I think he went on to say. Cause someone was like, dude, you're the drummer for the Rascal Flats. Why are you driving yeah, this car? He was like, because I'm not an asshole because I'm right. not an idiot. Right. And I think that was his point. And I think it, it, it makes more sense here in Nashville for him to have posted that. And I think it resonated better for Nashville because there are a lot of dudes and a couple in particular that are kind of jokes yeah. in the community here because they're guys that made pretty good money, better than most on some Nashville gigs and spent their money like assholes. And they got big, dumb houses and big, dumb cars and just stupid shit with their money and right. boats and stuff as if they were the star. Right, right, right. Then when it ended, they got their feelings hurt and they spend their entire life now kind of bitching about how they don't have money. <laughs> Whereas, you know what? I mean, you know, I, Jim and I aren't super close, but I don't have, you know, I, I, I certainly don't think he's, uh, uh, you know, I don't, certainly don't think he's played played it poorly. You know, he's right. obviously, obviously his Corolla still rolls. Right. He's built a studio for himself in that house and he's not stupid with his bread. Right. And that is to me, that kind of advice or a picture like that or whatever, that kind of uh, conversation is in my opinion, uh, questionable as it may be, uh, in my opinion, that is more of a lesson to teach younger drummers Mm -hmm. than, Every fucking six-stroke roll hot lick you can come up with. Right. It's me. Fuck all the licks. They'll find them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and they'll do what all of us did. They'll li- they'll 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 at, in your youth you gravitate to somebody you perceive for whatever reason what they're wearing, the size of their kit, the color of their kit, the success of the band, what they whatever they perceive to be great, they'll follow that. Right. And then as they get older and get better, they'll realize that that guy was garbage, and they'll move on. And they'll find a new dude and they'll graduate. And by the time they're in their 40s, they'll kind of have their their idea of what real drumming is. And right. they'll do their thing. But they'll all play. They'll all learn the bullshit licks and they'll all learn to to go through a period where they're playing the absolute wrong shit. Right. 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 
over an idea. Dude, to <laughs> your point, I want, I want you to keep making this point, but just to interject, I remember the first time I saw Steve Jordan play on that, on the video of uh, the groove is here. And he was playing, he, he was, he was like, this is a tune that I played on the, on the Sarah, Mc, not Sarah McLaughlin, uh, what was it? Cheryl Crow tune. Right. And I watched him play and I was like, eh, I was like, I don't, you know, I don't, it's kind of, I'm like, whatever. It's kind of lame. I'm like, I can play it now. I'm like, oh my God, it's the greatest thing in the world, you know? And, but I'm like, I was such an idiot when I was, you know, when I was 19 years old and I'm like, oh, this is lame. And now I'm like. Now all, I'm like I'm I'm like embarrassed to say it now, you know. See, that's the thing. You can't be embarrassed. You got to embrace that shit because <laughs> we all go through it. We've all done it. I right. remember being in my teens thinking like cuz I was a drum corps kid. Right. So, by the time I was 20, I didn't march in, in any you know, I didn't win any championships, you know, with the scouts, but I I had hands. When I was 20, 21, when I was in college and you know, finished up core, like I had pretty monstrous, like my hands were strong. Right. You know, but I remember in that era in my late teens thinking like, well, fuck, look, fuck any, any high schooler today has got better hands than Ringo Starr. I remember right. saying shit like that. Right. So we all go through it. And I guess this ties in both points since we're all going to go through it and you can't teach people have to learn on their own. You can mm. tell them. And some people that have their minds open when they're young, which I certainly didn't, um, they can listen and go, yes, you're trying to help me not make the same mistakes you did right. as a dad or as a drumming teacher or as a whatever. You know, my daughter and I have this conversation all the time. She's a female in 20, 2017 that's a couple months shy of being 21. And it's like, I have no fucking clue what life is like for a female 20 year old right. in, in this era. Right. Like I have a whole different, different level of privilege and, you know, and perspective. So, like, I have to listen. Totally. To her, yeah, these conversations where I'll be like, I'm trying to help you, and she'll be like, You can't do this on my own, you know. And it's like, Oh, fuck, I guess she's right. Drummers are the same way, and teachers, you know. So, I guess we all have to. It's to me, the more drummers, and to Jim Riley's credit, the more drummers can be like, Motherfucker, I drive a Kia Sorento, right? You can look at you can look at Elitch's green challenger muscle car all you want, it's awesome. He's giving something else up to right. have that. Right, right. That's, that's his thing. I know Elitch well. He's an art guy. And he's a car guy. And that's his passion. There is something else. He's not buying a house or mm -hmm. whatever. Right. He's, he's not doing something else so he can have his hot rod because yeah. that, that's, that's important. Right. That's his baby. It's like people I, who live in a really small house because they want to travel or people that live, people are cool not going to Europe and whatever. So they drive a Honda Odyssey and they have a big goddamn house, in the studio in the basement. That's what they want to fucking spend their bread on. Right. To me, that's a better point to make for a drummer that is successful, like Jim or like Elitch or, or, or Josh Freese. It's, it's, it's important for people to go, Oh, fucking Freese drives a Volvo. Right. Like that guy makes, there's no way he makes less than eight grand a week. Right. Playing for fucking sting probably makes way more than that. Right. You know? So he definitely has the money to go out and get a hot car, but he's also got four children mm -hmm. and he lives in expensive town so people that are like oh man freeze is probably worth 20 30 million dollars nah he probably isn't did you see that thing he posted on facebook the other day i did and i laughed because <laughs> i was like yeah that's that's i've had that conversation with my friends where it's like you know man i i i remember in tonic playing leno and two days later i was in charlottesville virginia running a jackhammer at 8 yeah yep and leno at those the days are sobering they really are. And people were like, oh, man, how was Leno? And I was like, it was $675. That's how, what, that's how it was. I made right. 600 bucks. That's yeah. how Leno was. 
Right. Oh, but was it fun? Of course it was fun. It was freezing cold and it lasted four minutes. Yeah, it's 37 degrees in the studio and <laughs> it's Arctic and and I I kind of hit on Queen Latifah in the, in the green room. <laughs> didn't work. It didn't work. I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't get any action out of Queen Latifah. <laughs> boy, I tried Dana. Her name is Dana. She was lovely. Um, did you call her Dana or did you call her Queen? I didn't know her name was Dana at the time, but, but she, she is gorgeous in person. But anyway, I uh, didn't work for me. I tried. Um, you got, anyway. all right, so we're, not, we're not just going to skip over this story. No, I, I, <laughs> how did it go I, down? Were you like... I, I think I was just like, hey, you know, I tried to give her just, you know, like, yeah, I guess sexy, sexy voice. And it did. <laughs> My voice didn't, didn't work on on queen Ms. Latifah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, people are like, Oh man, I saw you online. That was great. And you're just like, Oh man. Um, yeah, that was amazing. I'm so I'm, I'm fortunate and thrilled. And my mom thought it was great. And you know, I'm really happy I did it and it was amazing. I'll probably never get to do it again. Or it was great. But in, in at the time, you know, I have a, I had a, you know, I had a house and you know, um, uh, a, a rocky marriage and my daughter and like 600 bucks is 600 bucks. Right. Yeah. You know, so I flew home and there, you know, people thought, think I'm, you know, at the time they, they were like, Oh, tonic was still kind of relevant and doing bigger things. And, and they were like, Oh, well you must be rolling in it. And I was like, <laughs> rolling, rolling all the way back to Charlottesville to <laughs> frame, frame up that addition on my, on my yeah. client house, you know, like, yeah, that that's, I think more pictures. So, so to Jim's credit, I give Jim some shit sometimes, but I give all everybody in Nashville. I give them, I give them shit. Right. Right. I, I clown on everybody. They clown on me. It, the closer you are, the more I'll bust your chops. Basically. Right. Um, you know, like, I th- I I'm think... relentless to Ben Caesar cause he's one of my best friends. So I'm just fucking relentless. All I do is make fun of him. <laughs> but I love him. But, but to me, I would love to see, like, it would be fun to show people, like, yeah, these are the cars, the, your your favorite drummers, these are the cars they drive. Right, right. <laughs> like, you know, I think the weird thing is that I don't think any of us ever got into playing drumming, or playing drumming. You could tell I'm a professional, playing drumming. I got into playing drumming. I just played <laughs> drumming. Into drumming, uh, thinking that we were going to become millionaires, you know? Uh, and so, like, and so when you start talking about it, like, hey, man, you know, like, sure, you can make a living doing this. Like, are you going to be a multimillionaire? Maybe if you end up joining a band that does really well and you become Chad Smith or you become, you know, somebody like that. Otherwise, no, you're not going to be. But are you doing you're not doing this for the money anyway. So why do you why do you care whether you drive? Not you, but, what you know, it's like, why do you care if like your favorite drummer, you know, drives a Honda Accord or a Ferrari? I don't know. I know guys that that do make a lot of money playing right. drums, and they're still on a budget. Of course, I don't know anybody that doesn't have a budget. Right. And you get guys like Ben Caesar, who has been with Brad Paisley for eighteen, nineteen years. Mm-hmm. You talk about Jim, who's been with Rascal Flats since their inception. Mm-hmm. Rich, um, I mean, Rich has been with Jason. Redmond, Redmond's been there from the beginning with with Aldine, and now he's trying to branch out and do other shit just because it's like. There's no one bigger. Luke right. and Jason are the two dudes that can legitimately the only two people in country that can pack out a stadium on their own. Right. So what's he going to do next? In every market. In every in, market. You know, so yeah, he's kind of reached the apex of drumming. So of course he's off doing other shit, you know. Mm-hmm. But like the thing is, all of those dudes, like 
you can see what they will, you can see the things kind of like the Elitch thing I just said, you know, uh, Riley, obviously if he spends anything on himself, uh, out of budget, it is on his studio situation, right? It isn't his car as proven. It isn't, you know, I know where he lives. It's a nice community with good schools for his kids, but it's like, he's not a mansion, you know, mm-hmm. Redmond, you know, I think he has a hot little car, you know, but like, that's it. Right. It's, he lives kind of small. And like, you know, people, everyone has the smart ones kind of compartmentalize what they want. I'm just, I'm trying to buy this house. Right. That's all I want to do. I don't need to upgrade. I, I would like a challenger like Elish, but I got to figure out what I have to do without. Right. To have right. my cool car. Cause I am a car. Guy. Opportunity costs, man. You know, I have to, you know, you have to decide. So I think that those lessons are smarter for people to learn than like, Hey, play this, you know, don't worry about technique. Just slot through this fucking six stroke roll and yeah, and do it really fast. Like, nah, fuck that. They're, Cause kids are going to make like the kids coming up are going to make their decision. They're going to follow their heart as far as drumming goes all the way to adulthood. Right. And adulthood might hit them in their twenties and it might, it might take them till they're 50. And some of them, and I've watched, I've seen Facebook posts today from guys that are professional drummers that are really scrutinizing other things that they're awful. I've seen a couple of guys that are on my Facebook that are like, you know, kind of you're know, like, well, guess what guys, you know, I, you know, criticizing something that they saw or whatever. And it's just like, and you look at it and you're like, well, fucker, I've seen you play drums. Right. Like, you might want to pump the brakes. Yeah. You know? That's one thing that I hate is the... Well, just don't get it. The you know? sort of, you know, the keyboard bullying and like everybody's, oh, this guy, like you put a video up and some, you know, it's like, oh, this guy sucks. And it's like, you put your videos up. We can evaluate yours as well. You know? I, I see like, both At least of- he's in the arena and he's putting videos up. Well, I, I'll see, I see both sides of it though, because I have been called a bully by people. I've actually, I've had someone call me out and one other guy in town called me a, a mean girl because I have a group of friends that we're all on a text thread or whatever. And here's what people like that don't get. It isn't bullying. It, it, here's what has happened. Somehow criticism of any kind has now been redefined as you're bullying me. No, when, that's, that's not what, that's not the point that I was making. I was no, saying like, I, I know you were saying like when people have to chime in and go, well, that guy sucks and fuck right. them, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I've seen I've seen garbage solos where people are saying that, and then for every for everybody that says for everybody that says that guy sucks, there's somebody playing garbage, and ten people going that was awesome. So right. like you know whatever. But I, there's a lot everyone's of, a critic, and everyone's a critic, and no one can take criticism. And matter of fact, I was having a conversation with Chris the other day on the phone where we were talking about the fact that everyone now seems to like they seem to have there seems to be a lack of of uh kind of personal scrutiny mm-hmm. that if you're over 30 and you're not doing another job or you're doing another job kind of on the sly but you're a drummer and you make a substantial portion of your yearly nut playing drums or doing something in the drumming arena you don't live in your mom's basement you're like a grown-ass adult and you're playing drums for a living in my opinion if you meet those criteria, you you need to be exceptional or aiming at exceptional. Right. So so if you're not and someone else goes, hey, man, you know, if they're like, hey, man, what do you think of my videos? Well, you always stop on four to reset your tempo in your in your in your in your beats. Right. Beat one and beat three are in two different tempos. Your foot seems to not 
be paying attention to where your hands are. And quite honestly, I don't know. I don't understand the point of the lick you're trying to teach all of your followers. Right. It's something that they're not never going to use. Kind of like the 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 biggest drum teacher in the world online teaches a bunch of shit that no one's going to play. Right. At least not for money. Right. No one that I've seen making money plays hot lick paradiddle diddles with quick foot shit at the end. Right. Is it always is it always about that though? Well, no, it's not always about that. It's about the conversation, and I understand that. I'm just giving an example. No, I'm asking. That was a legitimate question. I was, you know, like. I think that here's the thing. I think that it gets too. It gets real easy for us to only like the shit that we like, and it gets course. really easy for us to not to not open ourselves to hear somebody else going, "Man, I know you're doing that. I think I'm picking up what you're trying to do, and I don't think you're nailing it." Right. <laughs> and I've had my friends be like, "Man, I think I know what you're going for. It's kind of like making movies. Like before you start." criticizing somebody you need to you need to understand what they're doing now mm-hmm. i the reason i don't critique movies and all my friends who are online is because my buddy tripper uh uh who um who played bass in bands with me for years um he knows the movie making right so when he talks about the quality of a movie i know that he his critique is coming from not a personal like i liked it or i don't like it you know, right. I know it's coming from a place of an aggregate understanding, an understanding of the, of like, uh, of, of all the possibilities of movie making and sure. like the art of it and the understanding of how it's done. And I know his critique is coming from a place of knowledge. Right. So I, with movies, I can just go, Oh, I didn't like it. So that's why I don't critique them. Right. And, like, that's, hey. and that's personal opinion. And that's, exactly. that's right. why when somebody's like, Hey, did you like that new it remake? I'll go, I never saw it. And I probably never will. Cause I don't like horror movies. Right. Not my thing. Right. Never gave a shit about them. Never cared. Um, do you like sci-fi? Yeah, I love it. The new Star Trek's amazing. <laughs> you right. like? I'll just I'll just say what I like. But it's not a re- it's not a critique that's worth anything because it's an emotional, uh, you know, maybe even nostalgic response to someone's art. One hundred percent. I have no clue what it takes to make a fucking movie, so right. I fuck, but I know what it takes to play drums. So. I will, I will weigh in, but like, you have to be open to somebody else going, man, I think I'm seeing what you're trying to do. I don't think you're nailing it. And here's what I think you need to do. I, I listen to my friends. And I, I forget what it was, but I had a, um, I had a real deep, I think it was the copper phonic, the eight inch, the real deep badass. And man, when you hit a backbeat on it, it's like a bazooka. It's mm-hmm. just the sexiest thing you've ever heard in your life. And and it's awesome. And I was playing in here, tracking something, and my buddy Jeff Brown was over. And he was standing. Oh, I love Jeff. Oh, Jeff's the fucking sweetheart. I love yeah. that son of a bitch. Um, he's he, he was in the corner. He was like, hey, yeah, you, you probably shouldn't play a lot of grace notes. You, you know, <laughs> all that grace note shit you do. Yeah, you shouldn't do that on that drum. That's <laughs> just, it's just muddy and shitty. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, but, but you appreciate that. Fuck yeah. What, 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 how does it benefit me if somebody goes like, yeah, man, your foot's great. And then later they're like, oh, God, did you hear Murphy's foot? Yeah. Just, sounds like he's kicking a fucking basset hound over there. Right, like, right. Just, just tell me, right. you know, and a lot of people can't take, can't take it. And they dish it out kind of for the wrong reasons. I understand. Um, and, and, and a lot of times when, when people do it, I may be even taking them, uh, seriously when they're trying to be funny or funny when they're trying to be serious. And a lot of times I may not even read their critique in the way they, they meant it. Cause quite honestly, I'll critique a lot of the guys that play and I don't use the term church drumming because I think it's a bullshit term because that drumming 
Weckl was doing it. So mm-hmm. it's just like, it, it's, it's Weckl drunk. It's just like over the bar, you know, whatever. It's not my thing. I don't do it well. There's a couple of licks that I've learned that are kind of fun, but I don't know its purpose. And a lot of the guys that do it, they seem to be more interested in making me question where the beat is than making me feel good about it. Right. So it's not my favorite thing, but I get why it exists. Mm-hmm. And I get why it works for them. And I get why some people are hired to do it. So when I'm critical of it, I'm more critical of like the choice. And I'm open to discussing why that person might have done it. And I even said, I was having a conversation with Keo, Stroud, Ben, Rob Mitchell. It was a bunch of us sitting around. And I was saying, we were talking about how perspective of a drummer, the perception of what a drummer is or who he is, kind of lets him get away with some things that other people would. Right. And I referenced a Vinny clip. And I, and I preface this by saying, Vinny is arguably one of the best drummers alive. Right. Right? No one no one doesn't have him in their top five. Of and course. If they don't have him in their top five, they're kind of a dumbass. Right. <laughs> uh, he's obviously he's obviously on our Mount Rushmore. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, he can do ten of us can get in a room and he can still he's still better uh, than all of us together. And I was talking, I was, I brought up a clip where I forget who he's rehearsing with, but he was with somebody playing at a sound check, playing Manic Depression. Mm-hmm. So it was like, and he went into one transition before the verse. He's like, and it was just like, it sounded like somebody threw a box of hammers down an elevator shaft. It was just like every fucking like he was fitting in so much modulation and so many, it was like a triplet thing over a quintuplet. Like it was sick. Right. I mean, and technologically it was like the technology of the uh, uh, technical ability rather of him playing it was just like, it was kind of like listening to him. To some of the shit he did on Joe's garage. We are just like, I don't, I have no idea what he just did. <laughs> Zero. Like I can write out anything. I can write out a buddy rich solo. I can't do it, but I can write it out. Right. Literally no clue what Vincent just did. <laughs> and I used that and I was like, no, that was awesome because it was Vinny. And everybody watched it went, holy fucking shit. Did you see what he just fucking pulled off? But if I went downtown and saw somebody play that, man, I would shred him. Yeah. Like, what's that dude doing? Right, right. And 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 we talked about it for a minute and Kia made a great point. And, I, and, I, and it made me stop and go, shit, all right. He was like, Vinny gets called. And people go, when he does something like totally appropriate for the music and perfect, which he obviously knows how to do, you know, any Sting record, you know, like any, any of his Sting tours, you know, like people will be like, no, 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 do the, uh, do more Vinny. They'll force him <laughs> to like right. machine gun his way through some of these fills yeah. because they, they're paying him to come do it. Kind of like if they're paying Chamberlain to come in. They don't want him to play like Aronoff. They want him to bring some towels and shit that jingles and like some weird <laughs> tom that sounds like a coffee pot or whatever. You know, like they're hiring him. They're forcing him into that thing. Right. So a lot of times when you get critical, you have to like ask yourself where the, I was actually sitting there being kind of not arrogant at all, but being critical of like, well, wow, fucking I don't I don't really like Vinny's choice in that moment. Right. right. And I'm not even I'm not remotely his peer, not even I. I will die at whatever age I die. I will have never come close to being Vinny's peer. But here I was sitting in judgment going, well, I would have never, I would have never done that. Well, A, I couldn't have. 
<laughs> that that's one reason I wouldn't have. Well, a, I couldn't have done it. B, they didn't hire me for that session. Right. And C, I didn't think ahead of time to what Kia was saying, which was, motherfucker, they 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 hired him to come do that. Right. They hired him to come do specifically play like Vinny. And sure. that's gotta be something that we consider when we're being critical and, and I'm learning to be more considerate of it. Like, you know, sometimes I'll watch a uh, you know, of something, I'll be like, man, why is he, why is he or she, why, why is she doing that? Why is she playing it like that? Mm-hmm. And then I have to remind myself that, you know, there's lots of stuff that I wouldn't have done on all of these gigs that somebody else played on a record that I wouldn't have played it like that. I don't right. play like Wilson and I don't play like, um, you know, Eddie Bayers and I don't, you know, I, so, but, but if they do something that's right, that's perfect for a moment, there's this triplet thing at the end of one of the songs that Randy does. It's like, you have to do it. You can't not do it. Right. Ronnie did it in the studio, and even though he and I couldn't play drums possibly more differently, it was this perfect moment that has to be done. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I, so in, instead of question why, I just fucking did it. Support for this podcast comes from DW Drums, and DW Drums have been making drums handcrafted here in the United States since the 1970s. They support drumming initiatives like this all over the world, and I ask that in return, you support them. You can learn more about them and their great products by going to dwdrums.com. Support also comes from Promark and their new Fire Grain. These Fire Grain drumsticks utilize a revolutionary heat tempering process that transforms ordinary hickory drumsticks into precision tools with unprecedented durability. Keeping their original weight, balance, and feel, Promark Fire Grain sticks allow drummers to hit harder and play longer naturally. No excess vibration, no space age gimmicks, just natural hickory hardened by flame. Unlike other drumsticks that use synthetic alternatives that transmit excessive vibrations, Firegrain drumsticks retain the natural feel, weight, and balance that you would expect from regular hickory. They're available now in classic, forward balance, and select balance across a variety of sizes. You can learn more by going to promark.com. Now let's get back into it with Kevin Murphy. So let me ask you this about Vinny, though. Do you think so? He does this. He does this fill coming out of this, out of this triplet section. He's playing it because yes, he's hired to do it. But also, is he? I think there's a difference between him because he is placing it there because he wants to place it there, and like he knows, he knows why he's placing it there versus someone else who's just like, I know this lick, and I'm gonna try to fit it in. I don't think Vinny's like fitting in licks into songs do you i think vinnie's vocabulary is so profound right um that he's like when you meet those people that are that are you know speak multiple languages you know he's just so speaking the other multiple languages somebody speaks you know five different languages other than english their english is better because of it sure you know um vinnie his depth is you know his bag of tricks as it were his, his language is so deep his vocabulary is so expansive that 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 I, I think he knows you know he obviously knows exactly what he's doing all the time and it, and it, to his credit and this is one of the things I was saying I'm glad Keo said that to me and the conversation kept going because it reset kind of I was initially going like well if I saw anybody else play that I'd fucking shred right and I think my point was if you saw somebody else playing that they would probably most likely 
just be playing it because they can. Well, it wouldn't have been as good. First of all, right. no one's as good, but it also would have been there. Then maybe perhaps they would have sounded like they were grasping at straws where he didn't. He sounded like he was just putting in a really bizarre fucking fill going into, you know, a verse of manic depression. But 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 where I was sitting there kind of criticizing the greatest drummer alive because I was wondering why he did it. It was it was good for me to hear Keo go, well, he got hired to do it, you know, right. a and B, then we started, then we went a little further down the rabbit hole and realized, like, I sit around and sound check every day, and there'll be a time when the audio guys are done doing their work. I'm real, real good about, like, never hitting drums when guys are setting my mics. It's like, I, I stay away. Right. I don't noodle. I'm not, I fucking hate guys that do that. I don't like it when guitar players do it, so I try not to do it, and I've even had guys call me out on it, and I go, fuck, they're right. right. Um, the guy's but, head's right by your bass drum, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> don't do that. Here, here it is. Here, we. I haven't said anything of value yet. Here's the here's the lesson of value for the day. Young drummers, audio audio engineer is setting microphones. Step away from the drum set. Yeah, don't play the drums. Go make coffee. Let them set all their mics and get into their position. Then come back and wait patiently until someone asks you to hit the bass drum. And, <laughs> and then hit your toms slowly. I saw a guy a couple months ago at Soundcheck. They were like, hit your toms. He was like, boom, 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 boom. Just, <laughs> and like hit the drum and let the tone of the drum t- trail away and then hit it again. Let the audio engineer get all the information so he can do it. Anyway, back to the discussion. Right. Um, I, you know what? What I, I'll be sitting at soundcheck, and maybe I mess around, fuck around with some new beat or some hot new linear lick that I want to mess with for a clinic or whatever. No one's standing there filming me, mm-hmm. unless I set up the camera and try to do something funny and send it to my my friends or post it on Instagram. There is someone. Vinny is the Vinny is like the, the a superstar of the drumming world. Like if Vinny or now Nate Smith is entering that, if Vinny or Benny Grab or Jojo or Chris Coleman or you know if guys like that are, you know, and it's getting to be like an Eric Moore is getting there, and like there's some of these dudes where if they're sitting down at a kit anywhere, somebody, some stagehand, some tech, some fan, some drummer that got in there on a meet and greet pass or whatever, somebody is filming. Right. So he could have been in that manic depressive depression, you know, uh, session. And that could have been that was a, a lick so profoundly technical that I will never be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and that could have been him just dicking around without, you know, he didn't say, hey, film this. I want to put it online. Right. Of course. People are just kind of when they see kind of, our, you know, and Chris Coleman is like the the guy now that like if he sits down, you know, some furious shit is about to happen. Like, yeah, he's about to light you up. Yeah. So of course you pull your phone out. <laughs> of course you do. You know. Um, Try to take notes. <laughs> you know, if you if if you see Gab walking around Nam, you're gonna kind of make sure you always know where he is in case he sits down. You wanna you, you wanna, wanna see get close. Yeah. You wanna see the doctor at work. Yeah, of course. You know? And. And, you know, I, 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 you know, if I saw Clayton Cameron, like, pick up some brushes and open them up and he was near a snare drum. <laughs> My phone's coming out. Well, I'd launch that fucking video real yeah. quick because I'm about to see some shit I'm never going to be able to do. Right, right. You know? And so I understand that a lot of times I'll see stuff from some people, especially those those top guys, where, like, the bigger your name is, the more shit's going to be out there that you may not want 
out there. It might right. be you just messing around. Especially you know? Vinny. He's like, he's such a private guy, you know? He's a weird dude and he's a private dude and he's, uh, and he's, you know, he, he, either, I have a long-standing theory that when you're amazing, and this isn't just for drumming, um, I think that there's a finite amount of, of energy in, all, in each of us. And there's some people that would disagree. They'd be like, we're capable of anything. Yeah, whatever. Um, I think that when you're really good at one thing, it's kind of like the money thing from earlier. You know, uh, Jim Riley spends his Ferrari money on something else. Right drives a Corolla and he puts that money that would have been his Corvette or whatever. And he puts it into his 55 drum sets in his, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> or, you know, whatever. Um, I think that if you're really great at something, there's something else that is, that, that, that is lacking that needs work. Right. You know? And that's why a lot of those dudes that are hyper talented, they are super private because you know what? They don't want to interact with a hundred people a day. And if right. I, I imagine, if I were as good as Vinny, I might just be frustrated all the time. You know, yeah. With, with, uh, yeah, I think I'd probably be frustrated if I was able to do all that. And there was no, re- and there were few, the fewer and fewer outlets as time went on yeah. to, to utilize it. I, I, I get frustrated sometimes just, you know, just being in a, in a genre where, um, and it's different recently cause we've kind of changed to a trio thing. So I can kind of do more weird shit, but, um, there've been times where I've been strapped to an Ableton rig, playing playing the album and right. well, I was like wow I worked I, I spent all the time in the practice room for that mm-hmm. bummer there have been times I felt like that I can't imagine what it would feel like if I could play what Thomas Lang plays and somebody asked me to you know or oh, who is it Tony Royster's playing with Katy Perry you know? right right and it's like oh well I mean he's you know I'm sure he's doing his licks because that kid does his licks you yeah. know but but you know for the show's purpose what is he working at like 5%? Right. You know, he's, but, but he, so he has to spend his energy instead of worrying about the licks, like making the beat, the pocket, like really yeah. expensive and really like, I'm sure that's where he, I haven't seen him live with her, but it's fucking amazing. But you know, that, but I mean, he's, you know, he's got that, you know, like he did the Jay Z stuff. I mean, he's done so many things where like thing about him is he just, he can throw this. This is what I like about some drummers and what I criticize of others. He can just throw that gear. Yeah. It's time for him to slit your throat. Yep. Boy, he's got, all, he's got every lick you can possibly imagine. All the speed in the damn world. Dude, I think that he... This is but when it's time... You've seen him with Jay-Z. I've seen him with Jay-Z. When, you, yeah. when he has time and he kicks it back into that other gear, you wouldn't know or care that he can play any licks because he just digs a trench. Yep. And it's just sexy. Yeah. So that's what I want out of drummers. Now, a lot of guys, I don't know if they can because I only see clips of them doing fast shit or i only see clips of them doing pocket right and i don't i don't know what they're capable of right you know? right. and that's why i like my community here in nashville because you kind of know there's a guy named matt eisman who plays for uh, uh, an artist named david nail and matt's this big sweet gentle giant of a dude red hair beard and just unassuming guy just a real sweetheart and when he plays it's just it's filthy it's just a <laughs> nasty it's pocket it sounds great and it's just grooving and if you ask him to play some licks for you, he will bleed you. He really? Will, and he'll go like, oh, man, it's nothing, but he'll just cut you. And, <laughs> and then and then there's Jeremy Robertson and Keith, Stephen Keith, and these dudes that, like, they play for Chase Rice and, 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 um, and you know, so, you know they, there's a bunch of my friends are like that, where they'll you'll see them playing, and if they play a pocket, man, just it feels great. Right. And it's smooth. And you're like, man, 
oh, got it. He's a pocket drummer. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then when they want to light you up, they will light you up. That's what I want out of a drummer. That's a good position to be in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want. You know, I want them to be kind of whole. And and I have seen a lot of guys that 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 kind of aren't trying to be whole once they get past. Oh, I got a gig. Mm-hmm. Trying to progress further. I'm I'm in my mid 40s and I'm tearing my technique apart right now. Right. As right. we speak, I brought the big home. The big drums are home. This is the big kit that was out with. Um, Randy for the last couple of years, uh, the big Ludwig Mahogany's. And now I'm, they're making me like these smaller drums. Cause now we just have, it's me and an organ and Randy. That's nice. It. That's awesome. Nowhere to hide in the trio. No, nowhere to hide. There isn't a, there isn't a metronome on the stage. Right. There is no one's wearing in ears. Yeah. Each has a wedge mm-hmm. and it is set it and go. And basically we are chasing Randy yeah. and where he chooses to go is where we, follow mm-hmm. and I can kind of just go for it, but I can't get as big as I used to because I don't have two other guitars and a bass. Right. Right. I can't, get ex- I can't use 24 inch crash cymbals and get explosive any longer. Um, I have to kind of keep it tighter and smaller, but I can play more mm-hmm. and I'm tearing my technique apart now because I realize I've been playing like a gorilla for three years well you have to i mean in that you know if you're if you have five six seven guys in the band you kind of you have to play like that you know? well and i i was playing in big rooms where and this is a lot of guys don't talk about this too when they do these things um, they don't tell the younger guys like man if you're playing all your fastest shit the bigger the room gets the less shit you need to play right because it translates poorly as it goes off the back wall and finds its way to front of house and, you know, gets up into that section 308 yeah. seat, LLL four one up there. All those grace notes um, are just mud. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe light running grace notes that are kind of even will feel like a shaker thing, but that fast lick where you're doing heritage or blows all the way through your three rack toms. Like, yeah, that sounds like horse shit. Mm-hmm. Big room. Might sound awesome in a tight little theater, though, you know, so you have to that's part of that's part of realistic, mature drumming mm-hmm. is necessarily the licks you're playing or what your abilities are, but your choices. Yeah. And now I'm in casino theaters, small theaters. I might do some fairs this next summer. Obviously, there are going to be some big festivals like uh, the one in Australia that we're going to do that, but I don't know like how Randy's going to want to treat the festivals, but if I'm going to be in a organ cocktail kit, you know, in Randy playing blues slide guitar and acoustic and stuff, if I'm going to be in a trio, then, and I'm going to be in small theaters where the sound is kind of tight and mm-hmm. you can control it better. Well, shit, man, I'm going to be able to play kind of, I can do some, really small grace notes and still be heard. I can put a, a big fat snare drum on the floor, Tom, and a roots EQ on the snare drum, and I can play with a mallet in one hand, and I can sing, and yeah, I can do all this stuff, and it's all going to be heard. Whereas right. whereas playing, you know, playing, you know, th- third of five in the Cleveland Browns stadium, you know, I better just hit boom, schmack, boom, boom, schmack, schmack. Right. You know, that's yeah. kind of a smarter thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of guys don't talk, they, they, you know, so that's why a lot of guys don't talk about money. Yeah. They're going to, they think they're going <laughs> to, I don't know why. 
I think they people want to people want to hide that stuff, man. They're like, I don't want to. I guess they want to pretend that they are bigger than they are or doing better than they are, or maybe they don't want anyone to know because maybe they're worried that some guy will, you know, undercut them. You know, right? <clears throat> but I think it's important that kids know that, like, what do you? Yeah. What would you? What, what would? What number would you say a top call session drummer makes? Well, I don't touring. know. Touring. I will tell you this. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about the session guys because I'm friends. You know, Chris is one of my best friends. And when I meant even, session, I was just more. You know, uh, okay. I meant yeah. touring more than. Session. I know that the session dudes have shifted a little bit, and they're doing like Chris and both Chris <clears> and Nick, <throat> uh, two of my better friends that are that are do sessions. Um, they've kind of sh- they've kind of gotten to the point where they can choose to shift to play only the stuff that they really want to play. Right. So I really don't know what a miles. Or one of those dudes that's like hitting it every day. I have no clue anymore what the di- what the paradigm is in studio stuff. I don't work that much in the studio. I get a few sessions a year. Not a, right. I don't I don't work a lot. I do a, I do a bunch from here from my house, mm-hmm. but I don't get called. I don't even have a kit in Carnage. Right. I don't have a drum set over at Drum Paradise because I wouldn't get enough work to offset. Pay for the, it. Right. Um, but I will say this: I had an artist, and this was really nice to to have him do it. But I had an artist that has a couple of number ones come up to it, opened up for us a few months ago. And he was like, Hey man, my drummer is my best friend. He's going to switch and take another position. He's not going to play drums anymore. I need to hire a drummer. I need you to tell me the number where I'm not fucking me and I'm not fucking him. I want to be, I want to be righteous employer. I want this. I want whoever I get, I want him or her to be like stoked to be here and feel like, because I want to build a family. I'd like to be here for in 10 years. Right. I was like, wow, how amazing. What a great young artist to, to even approach. Of course. He was, like, he was like, you're, you know, you're, you're one of the dudes. I want, you know, I want your opinion. And I was like, and we had a conversation about, well, how many shows are you, are you doing a hundred shows? Cause if you're doing a hundred shows, 400 bucks a show, if you're playing, show, paying show pay, that's 40 grand a year. If you're living in Nashville, that's real fucking hard to make it on that, but it's not unreasonable. Right. So I was like, if you've only had, cause that's not a full-time gig. You know, no, no, no. And I was like, if you're, but, but you are, you know, if you have a hundred shows a year, you're, that's 200 days that you're gone with bus yeah. travel. Yeah. So you are effectively not working except for that gig. So, you know, you have to consider that. And I, you know, we basically had this really nice candid discussion on side stage where it was like, all right, here's the deal where you're at, where you're making X amount of money. He was like, he was like, here's what I make per show. Basically the soft ticket shows are on the high end and this thing and the shows that are just me are down lower. And we really had like 20 minutes. We hashed it out. I was like, okay. And we got to the point where I was like, all right, well, if you're paying five fifty a show or 55, 60 grand, you're kind of fucking yourself if you don't get bigger. Right. And if you pay him less than four twenty five a show, you're kind of fucking him because he's barely going to be able to make it. So right. I, I think staying between there and give him like 45 grand a year or like 450 or something like that. Like if you stay right there and then bump him up with that next single or, mm-hmm. you know, like we had a really cool talk and it was like, wow, how many artists are willing this dude, like he earned my respect forever as an artist because yeah. he was willing to pull me aside and go, Hey, here's the deal. My biz, the business managers that live in this town, they're basically going to try and slit my guy's throats. Of course. Of so, course. And that's their job. They're and making I, they make five percent of gross to to make decisions like that. So they're gonna come in here and tell me, Oh, you want a new drummer? Give him three hundred. Right. You've right. only had two number ones, you're in one bus and a trailer, you know, 
they're the guys that took they're the guys that try to talk you into putting 12 people on a bus on a bus yeah and yeah there's 12 bunks but that's fucking rough yes it is i've been there and i've heard of dudes a few years ago i've heard i heard of dudes rolling 15 deep on a 12 person bus you know what i show up to bus call there's 15 people i'm going home yeah there's gonna be 14 people (laughs) 14 now you got one less person to worry about right I'll make some room under that bay for with my drum set, put it back in my Kia, and back to the house. watch Star Trek tonight in my in my own. Right, bed. that's not going to work. But, and, but it was awesome to have that artist ask me. So a session guy now. Here's the thing: there are gigs that are going out that are still going out where people are justifying paying two two fifty right. because there is a glut. There is a lot of people moving to town and a lot of young guys that'll do it for a damn near nothing because they can't. They don't have kids. They don't have house payments. They don't have any real car payments. Or mom and dad are still helping with their insurance. Etc. So they'll go. I'll do it for two hundred bucks, and you know what? You get what you fucking pay for. Exactly. I won't. Right. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody that I consider to be like a real player uh, in my phone that will do it for that. Right. Uh, unless they're just going to want to do it for fun because they dig it. That's always a possibility. But if you're asking about what a regular guy gets, I think it's lower than it should be. Of course. Okay. But but I think that some artists try to push the boundaries of what they can with their business managers. Um, I do, you will have, say, do you have a minimum that you won't go out for less? No, because I, it really does. It really depends, depends on the on, situation. It depends on who it is and, and kind of um, the, you know, if I like it, like I, I, there's a lot of the comfort food, comfort food, pop country music. That's, that's out now that doesn't really have any value. Right. Um, if somebody offered me that uh, it would have to be a lot. Yeah, um, because I've reached a point where uh, my disgust will override my ability to 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 uh, to, do the, to do the job. <laughs> well, to do it well. And there's a right. lot of people that are that are kind of falling for there's a lot of artists that are kind of falling for um, falling for the trappings right. of, of 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 success where well, they're, you know, they think that it's they think that their show requires, you know, the, you know, telling the drummer what to wear right. or. Or, or you know whatever choreographing and things and whatever and if you're in a pop act well yeah that makes a lot of sense sure. you don't you don't you 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 wear what the wardrobe lady wants you or the wardrobe guy whoever wants you to wear when you're playing for Katy Perry because right. it's part of this whole big theme and that's why you know if she says I want pink drums well fuck guess what you're you playing know, pink drums pink drums I told Uli that with Ludwig a few years ago I was like man I want this but I can't I can't guarantee you that Randy won't just go like hey man the whole set's gonna be red. <laughs> and I had a drum set, and he was like, "Oh, that's totally cool." But you know, Randy never cared. He was like, "Oh man, it looks like from the 1800s. I love it." Right. You know, cool. And he's loved it ever since. He really doesn't give a shit. Yeah. He, he was like, "Hey, that sounds great." I don't think, I don't think he would care if I rolled up and it was pink. I think he'd be like, "Hey, it's fucking weird." As long you know? as it works, yeah. He cares about what it sounds like, you know. Right. But I think that there are some guys that uh, I commend them for being able to do it. Mm-hmm. But there's some acts that I just, I just wouldn't want to be a part of. And I would absolutely do it for the right number, you right. know, but, but to me, it's more about what's the penalty for failure. Like if, like I, you know, if you're doing something where it kind of doesn't matter because you're barely in the front front of house, you're Ableton's carrying everything and there's a bunch of shit flown in and whatever, like that's, that's how those guys justify, well, we're going to pay our band 50 grand each. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, yeah, of course you are because I'm miming. Yeah, I could I could go up there and mime that gig. You know, right. I see guys do that gig, and I'm like, oh, that sucks. You know, but if you're if you're playing, you know, I would hope that those artists. I don't know what everybody in town gets, but you know, I know 
Stapleton's drummer and, and you know, I, I don't know who's playing drums for Sturgill and Marin and people like that. But like, I think that they're being treated well and I hope so because they're playing. Mm-hmm. If they blow it, if they have a slight lapse in judgment, everything comes crashing down. Right. Because There's it's, a lot more pressure and a lot more, a lot more riding ex- on the, it's exposed. I right. would hope that those artists know that they are the few that have an exposed situation and they're treating their people. Well, you know, right. I think that, I think that really, um, you know, when you're starting out and you're in your twenties or whatever, and somebody offers you a road gig where you can make 40 grand or whatever, well, take it. Yeah. Well, take, take it. Well, if you're young and trying to start out, you take everything. And I'm sure. not in, and when you're old and not starting out, yeah, I, I, I say yes to kind of when people are like, Hey, can you track this at home? I played some awful songs here. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'm, you're asking me to play drums. You're not asking right. me to critique, critique your song. Right, right, right. You, know, you didn't ask me to co-write. You just want drums. Sure, I'll give you five. You know, right. but if it's like live with people and tour with them, I'm more in. I, I don't really think of like I know dudes that are like, I'll leave the house for less than six hundred bucks or whatever. Yeah, that that works to a degree if you have like a number in your head where like, yeah, I think it's unreasonable to pay me. After my with my experience and whatever, I think it's unreasonable to pay me below this number. Right. Sure, that's good to know. But for me, the comfort of touring really hinges on the other twenty-two and a half hours a day. Right. Um, of course. Uh, Ninety. You know, my shows, I, I give them to the artists that I play for for free. What they pay me for is to be stuck somewhere that isn't my house, mm-hmm. twenty-two and a half hours a day, sleep not comfortably. Right eat not particularly good food right you know like that's what you pay me for mm-hmm. and i'm asking you know i ask these questions about about money and everything because for me I, like this podcast i like i'm i'm all about pulling back the curtain with everything and people don't like people may like it and people may dislike it but i don't care about you know not exposing things, but talking about the realness of it. And for me, my touring experience was with my band that I built from nothing to a big touring band. So I, I know those numbers inside, you know, it, but everyone that was in the band was a member of the band. Um, so I've never done like big tours, uh, you know, getting, just getting hired, just getting hired and, and trying to figure say, that out. You know what I'll say this, I'll, I'll wrap it up. Uh, I'll wrap up. I'll try and put a, like unpack it perfectly. I aim I have a pretty good idea. Much what you just like what you just said, you know, you either have spent a long time doing it or you can pay for the subscription to Polestar and you can either way you can figure out what an artist brings down gross. Right. Um, and you know, the big ticket you're going to, you're going to read about you twos and that's, you know, you know, 40, 40 million or a hundred million or whatever. I think I said something like guns and roses bought in like a hundred million on their tour or something stupid like that. Now, when you get into that, when you get over into the 20 and 30 and 50 million, you're, you're, you're in a whole different world. And at that point, you're one employee of several hundred, right. you know, now you are a very important one, but there's some point where you cap out up to that, up till there. I, and this is what I said to that artist that, that cornered me and asked me about pay up until there, in my opinion, and what I aim for is I don't think a drummer should get any less than 2% of gross right. yearly. I think below that, um, and this isn't, uh, we're most important because let's be honest, the bus driver is the most important. If he, if he, if he puts it in a dish, in a ditch, all of you are done. Right. And then you got fine house guy. Well, if he sucks, who fucking cares how good you played? Right. And monitor guy is really monitor engineer. If he blows it, well, you can't perform well. And the singer. So everybody has an equal importance. You know, that being said, 
if a bass player misses a note or if a guitar player you know goes to the wrong fret or whatever, that's kind of artistic license and might be seen as a mistake. If I stop, everything stops. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying I should get more. I'm just saying that I know that what I do is important. Right. So I think that it is not unreasonable for uh, for me to talk about uh, for me to gauge what I want from a a gig uh, based on a percentage where I think okay, well. You know, two, two point five, three percent, something like that of gross isn't unreasonable. Right. I know people that have gotten as much as five or six, and I know a lot of people that work in Nashville at point two. Right. Right. I won't. Um, if I get, if I, I, I think that there are a lot of guys. Put it this way: I know there are a lot of guys that work for ten million dollar a year artists that have tons of overhead and tons of, and they get so overwhelmed with that. And they get so overwhelmed with their with their personal expenditures, you know, that oh, I just bought a bison farm in Oklahoma. <laughs> fucking good for you. That didn't have shit to do with why you can't pay me reasonably. Right. I right. didn't buy. I didn't tell you to buy your fucking bison. I'm playing drums. Right. <laughs> so for you know, a lot of times it gets kind of muddy in Nashville. You sure. Know, that, sure. But if you're going to talk about it honestly, I think that it's not unreasonable to go. Okay, look, man, you know. For the guy that can stop your show in its fucking tracks, right? I don't think you know. If, if you made ten million last year, and I'm and I'm, I think eighty might be a little low. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think one hundred twenty might be a little low, chief. But Agreed. like, uh, I'm also in Nashville, where there's where there is a history of people that aren't musicians and aren't producers and aren't managers and aren't artists and are just math guys. Uh, and got, and women that will that have sat around for decades and just tried to pay musicians as low as as little as they possibly can. Sure. Um, the only people that can stop that are the artists, and some do. I know some guys that are that, that are treated really well, um, and maybe they're treated well in some ways, so they don't have to have that. They don't. Maybe they're not making two percent of gross, but they're treated so well in other ways that it kind of makes up the difference. Right. And like I say, once you get to an artist that's making oh, like $20 million on tour, well, that kind of making X amount of gross is, kind of goes out the window. And then you just like, let's agree that I get treated like an adult and this number is a fair number, X. You know, then it kind of changes. But if somebody's in the $2 million to $10 million range, you like, you're if you're a big cog, if you're a big part of the engine. <laughs> right. I, it's, give me some bread. It's not unreasonable to be like, man, look, you, you know, you know, let's let's try to make sure I don't make less than, you know, right. something that's kind of kind of adult and reasonable. Because if I if I if I fail to arrive or if I play like an asshole or if I just stood up in the middle of the show and walked off, like things would stop, you know, and that's not you know, or if I just got sick or whatever, like it's this is harmful to the brand and to the business and to the show if I, if I fuck up. So right. if, if I'm that big a deal, if like if I'm important enough to need to be there, then let's just let's just be reasonable. And luckily, I will say this, that, that I have not had the issues that a lot of my friends in Nashville have where I haven't um, a I haven't worked for a lot of Nashville artists. I mean, I, I work my I've worked for some, but they've been for bursts. Like I worked for Chuck Wicks for like, a, you know, a chunk of a year. Right. I worked for big and rich for one effectively one touring cycle. And what they were already paying was reasonable and there was no reason to kind of fight for more or less. I knew I was going to be there for just three months and kind mm-hmm. of cover. Um, you know, I, so the only, you know, like 
the only, you know, the only gig where I was in, where I was like, well, you know, you got to fight for every fucking penny over here was the first one I did in Nashville. But the rest I've, I've worked for people that have been genuinely just like, you know, they've been trying to make an adult, they present it. It's been an adult environment. Right. You know, I know there's a lot of people like I, I talked to somebody last week where he was like, yeah, um, we just got an email from management telling us that well, you know, we're going to uh, you know technically buys the plane tickets. He's keeping all the miles. And it's like, yeah, I get it, but how fucking petty. Actually, I don't like, even actually I don't even think you can do that anyway. I mean, it's it, it's for the it goes to the, uh, the passenger. Well, yeah, I, I, I would argue that as well. But the bottom line is like, I'm, that's, you, it's petty. You're putting me in this seat to go do this thing with you, right? And, and to to create this to help this business model succeed more tomorrow than it did yesterday. And you're gonna fucking hump me for 610 miles, like man, don't be a cock, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I hear stories like that a lot that fall in line with, oh, well, we're gonna, you know, there's no, we're we're gonna pack every bunk and put two other dudes. There's somebody gonna be sleeping in the front lounge. <laughs> No, no, you're not. Well, sure you are, but he, I'll tell you what, front lounge guy can have my bunk. Right. right. <laughs> for that, if you're, because if you're willing to make decisions like that, then you're willing to make decisions like the mileage. Of course. And you're willing to make decisions on pay that are pretty beat. So I'm probably going to be able to just do something else and make it up, you know? Right. So if I can drive Lyft and do better than this, I'll be damned if I'm getting on a fucking bus for 15, with 15 people. That's yeah. just not, that's not going to happen. I don't blame you. And if, and I'm not gonna hold my tongue if a now luckily with Randy, the last couple of years we've had great drivers. We fought for a while, but we finally um, got bus drivers that were really you know, solid drivers. And but I remember I'd complain all the time and I was like the asshole that oh, well, Kevin's gonna be complaining about the drivers. But it wasn't it was just like, Hey man, let's let's get some guys that care. The rest of us right. care. Right. I care. Randy cares. The, the, you know, the management cares. Like we all care. Let's make sure the guy that can kill us all cares. Of course. Yeah. You know, finally, we were like, they were like, yeah, okay, well we got this guy now. And he was, and his name was Michael. He was driving us on the band bus. It was fucking awesome. Loved him, you know? And to me, one, it, it, to me, the, the artists that I hear about that are, that inevitably when I hear stories about mileage stories like that or comfort quality of life decisions that are shitty. Inevitably, those are guys that are paying garbage and playing like garbage too. So inevitably, when you see the people that are doing quality work, like an adult quality music, inevitably, they're the guys that are making quality decisions each step of the way. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like You never hear about, wow, that guy with that amazing record and this amazing attitude that like, you know, is, is, you know, you never hear about him or her going like, yeah, fuck these guys and their miles. I saw yeah. a tweet. I retweeted Marin Morris, and I don't know Marin. I think I may have met her and her boyfriend, who's also an artist, like once, you know, in a bar somewhere. Right. But um, she seemed really sweet. Um, but I retweeted her, and I was like, she's a damn queen. Because last month she was like, she tweeted something like, it's been a great year for me, and I've done all this stuff, and it's been amazing. But the happiest day of my life so far has been calling my band uh, into my room this morning to tell them that I just gave them health care. That's awesome. And I was like, you baller. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you just, I don't, if I had never, yeah, I like your music. That's great. If I had never heard her music, I would have still been like, well, 
I just bought her record. That's <laughs> like, awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So when you have, there are artists that 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 think about their people, right? And there are, but there are still a lot that don't. I think it's, um, I think it's important to. Just, I, so to your question, I'm sorry I rambled, but I, at my age in my history, um, I've been a professional drummer since the early '90s, and um, I've earned to some degree. I, I, I've earned, uh, you know, I've played, I've earned my way here, and I've played a lot. So to me, I think I, I try to ballpark gross and overhead. Okay. I have a pretty good idea how it works because I've seen, you know, I know how Paul Star, you know, I've, 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 I've looked through the back of Paul Star right. about a million times, and, <laughs> I, and like you, I've also been in bands that were mine, that I, I, the band was mine, I was an owner, and I had to book the gigs and. <laughs> take payouts and I had to deal with all that shit. So I, I do know how it works and I try to ballpark where they're at gross and what they're spending, not personally, cause I don't care their house or their cars or their personal trips or whatever. Don't care. It doesn't you matter. Know, you can be wearing a hundred thousand dollar watch. If that's your excuse for not paying me better, we ain't working together. Yeah. Cause that watch doesn't have a fucking thing to do with me. Right. That, I think that, that's good that advice, was, man. I think I it's decided on a Saturday morning, but I like to think of gross and think, okay, well, you know, um, if you want to help a struggling act out, maybe you go down to, you know, 1.8 or whatever percent or whatever. But if they're doing well enough to have a couple of hits and they're in the, and they're in their soft ticket, uh, shows, which are to the, any listeners that don't know what that means. It's like a fair where everybody's kind of going to be there anyway. And it doesn't matter who's on the bill. Mm-hmm. 20,000 people are going to come because it's a country show. So maybe the headliner is Rascal Flatts. Maybe the headliner is Luke Bryan. Maybe the headliner is Thomas Rhett. And maybe the opener is Chris Young. Maybe it's Randy Hauser. Maybe it's Lee Bryce. And maybe the person before that is Michael Ray. Maybe it's Lindsey L. Maybe it's, you know, so there you don't, you're still coming, right? You bought the ticket for the whole weekend. So that's a soft ticket where they're not coming. to see. And this is what this year is going to be fun because Randy has decided that he wants to just kind of strip it down and and not not be beholden to an Ableton or a Click Track or an LED wall or fire right. or set. So <clears throat> he wants it to be about us playing with him. So we're going to play smaller places. Nice. And it's going to be hard ticket. Yeah. It's going to be a couple of thousand people at a time and just converting them to fans. And the people that don't like it, well, bye. And the people that do, they're yeah. going to really, they're going to really like it because it's cool, but it might lose some people. I don't know, but I think a lot of people are going to embrace it more. And I think it's a more genuine fan base because right. I agree. You, you build it for real. And he just got tired of screaming at people 300 yards away yeah. with led walls and explosions. So he, you know, those are going to be what we call hard ticket right. shows, you know? So where can people, where can people go if they want to like, if they want to keep an eye on that for you, like watching you or going to see you live. Well, I mean, the, I'm sure Randy's website probably has a touring thing. It's probably not very populated right now because it's coming, coming into the winter. We have a few shows left. I think I'm going to West Virginia and Cincinnati this week, but by the time this airs, I'll be, I will have done them. Um, I have a few shows before the end of the year. Randy has a bunch of writing stuff that he's doing. He's writing and working on his record right now, which I've heard some chunks of. And it's fucking cool. And I don't really know what direction he's going to go with it. He's got right. a new label, new staff. So his he's just kind of redoing everything over the winter. And I'm sure I'll start seeing some scheduled population yeah. you know, 
early in the year. And I'll keep an eye, like I always keep an eye on the people I've had on the podcast and make sure that people know what's going on and share stuff and, you know, let everybody know when the, when the tours are happening and all that good stuff. Going to Australia in March, Mm -hmm. uh, we went to the UK a couple of weeks ago and I am judging from Randy's reaction. um, I am positive we'll be back next year. There's, there's almost no way. I mean, I I've heard of bands, years going over there and playing for 50 60 people 20 people we, we had 300 people the first time he ever set foot on the on the on the on nice. the, the country and that's huge mm-hmm. and he had a genuinely had a good time he went up to glasgow enjoy and enjoyed that and i think that he loves it and i think that we're going to go back there so i think he's going to spread beyond mid-america which is where we've spent the bulk of the last seven years right you know? right I think he that's likes great. to and, you know, I've noticed in the last couple of months since we've made this shift um, that he likes having people right in his face. Yeah. You know, before there was a solid 20 feet between my drum set and the first crowd member. Yeah. You know? And that man, all that. I don't know. I think it's less intimate, you know, and Randy agreed. He and I were talking uh, just a few days ago and we realized and he realized, you know, and this is why he wanted to make that change that. A lot of the guys and girls, a lot of the, a lot of the artists that have three to eight number ones, right? Their show is virtually interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Their stage setups are kind of the same, and they all have a two-minute intro with something cool, and then some big <laughs> explosion, and then some, and then it goes dark, and then the song, the drum start, or the song blasts. You know, it's all kind of the same. And then right. there's that moment where it's just the artist doing his own thing out on the ego ramp with the one. <laughs> like, you know, everybody, it's all the same fucking show. All right. Just everybody's doing the same show. And I think he was like, man. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I think he, I think he, you know, I think he got to, I'm not going to quote him, but I think he got to the point where he realized that, that he wanted to do a kind of show that his idols would like to come see. Right. And uh, at the end of the day, the guy I'm working for right now is a kid from Mississippi. He didn't grow up with a bunch of money and he grew up in a tiny little town and he cut his teeth in blues bars. Right. And, and, and I think he wanted to feel that feeling again. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, and it totally makes sense. And I think that now he likes seeing that the, the other night we were, we were, I forget where we were, we were at somewhere in California and some woman blurted out an old song and we could hear it because we're not on in ears. Right. There's not a click banging away. And my pre-recorded voice cueing six people on stage. Right. It's really, really like there's four monitors on stage and you can hear everybody. He was taking a sip, taking his time between songs, which never used to happen. Mm-hmm. It used to be like, Oh, let's go, you know, yeah, now, one song after the next. Yeah. And now he turned around and he's tuning his guitar by himself and he's taking a sip of his Moscow mule. And some lady blurted out a song that was on an album, like three albums ago, 10 years old, something like that. And he was like, <laughs> we'll try. And we did. Nice. And we, we, we played we it. We played it and it was a solid, you know, A minus, B plus. It we, you know, it was it was I pretty love. good. And we and he giggled through half of it because he was trying to re- remember the words. He was naive he got it and, and I was laughing because I was like, hey, I even went I even kind of straight manned him. I did his I, I pulled an egg McMahon moment. I was just like, Can she play drums? <laughs> we had a laugh because I didn't know if I was gonna remember it. And right. we had fun and I think that moments like that are the moments that are exciting him now rather than 
we had enough moments where there was big crowds of people right. that weren't sure whether or not we were reaching them. Yeah. And I, I agree, man. I like the, I like the smaller shows and you know, I'd rather, I'd much rather see a band in a smaller venue. And that's why I was asking about the touring. Like I suggest people go, uh, and and see you guys check out these check out these shows where they're not these like you said soft tickets where you're playing in front of you know twenty thousand people and there's a chance to sort of get intimate with with what you're doing and and all that. Um, I think that the big stuff is a young man's game. I think that you know it's real fun doing the arenas and the stadiums and the fire, and the, the right fucking trampolines and fucking hovercraft and shit, whatever you want to do. It, that, that's real fun, but at some point. You have to ask yourself, are you are you an entertainer and giving these people just a brief reprieve, you know, respite from right. their life? Are you allowing them to forget about their tax bill or their fucking mortgage just for tonight? Or are you putting something into the universe that uh, will kind of they will enjoy as they grow older? You right. know, right. and I think that I think that once you've done, I, I'm probably never going to play a stadium again. You right. Know, um, you know, maybe I will, but I, I, I it's not likely. Um, and I'm fine. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, it's that was cool. Liberty DeVito always said he was like, you know, when we when we grew the band, once we got to stadiums, he was like, it kind of, you know, it kind of lost some of its its luster, and he liked those uh those smaller shows. I think that I mean that's the intimacy of of um of music and and all that. So hey, so listen, we are we're running long on time. And, but here's the thing you haven't asked a single question <laughs> that's fine because here's what i'm going to make you do you're i'm going to make you come back i want to have you back on awesome Anytime are, you, you want. are you cool with doing it again we'll do sure. like a we'll do a part two sure man i'm into it sound good excellent man thank you cool brother all right man i will talk to you soon we'll schedule it up right on all right brother have fun editing that shit Sorry. oh i'm not editing i don't <laughs> we don't edit <laughs> i'll talk to you man all right man I'll you see that. you there you have it, the one and only Kevin Murphy, and I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you got some knowledge out of that, and like I said, we pulled back the curtain. We didn't pull any punches. Kevin especially is very vocal about the the reality of being a session drummer, the reality. When I say session drummer, I mean a drummer for hire, but very, very open and honest about the reality, the financial reality of that, and as I try to be as well on the podcast, there is a lot of misinformation out there and I think that there's a lot of sugarcoating and a lot of pretending that you're something that you're not so we talk about that a lot in this episode I hope you dug it and for links to everything that we talk about you can go to drummersresource.com forward slash session 328 and please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play whichever podcast app you love Drummers Resource is on there so check it out and leave a rating and a review while you're there too so All right. Until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I will be talking to you soon. Peace.